welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, A.J. Riley, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Bassett, bringing you the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What up, webheads? Along with Paul Roshan, Ryan Griffin, and AJ Riley, I'm Matt Basson. Welcome to Sports Carnage. AJ, thank you for making a liar out of me last week. I told all <laughs> these folks out here that you was going to be away for a little bit. You got more important things to do than hang out with the likes of us. But we appreciate thank, you coming back because we COVID finally... For that. Yeah, right? We he finally was get away the for a little bit. A one he was away week, for a Paul. week. Well, and he's leaving again. Next week. For a week. It's a bit. It's too much. It's far too much. It's on again, off again. I mean, it's. I'm, I'm literally doing Paul's everything got possible I can. <laughs> everything possible that I can. Did you say a cat? What? I said I'm doing everything no, possible no, that I can. I thought, oh. I no, I said you got attachment issues. Oh, attachment issues. I do. Only with AJ. Let's be real. Right. No, not, not with Dylan. It's the other way around. Dylan has the attachment issues with you. Oh, Dylan is very upset about how I treat AJ versus how I treat him. He just, Dylan has wanted not, more yeah, out but, of your relationship than you are willing to give time and time again. But Paul so and I bad. are very, we're very much on the same wavelength, even though we argue like brothers. Well, we I, we are pretty much brothers, and we think in very similar ways. Like very similar ways, and which Dylan is not, yeah. <laughs> so, so and it's funny, too, because I've always, even when I disagree with AJ, it is not, I... I am nicer, much nicer when I disagree with AJ. That is saying something because you have sometimes. sounded like a complete and utter asshole on this podcast at times. Yeah, oh, sometimes you're nicer. Hold other on. times you're not. AJ's nice. singular goal on this podcast is to make me get upset and swear. That's his there one goal. There are sometimes that that happens. That so is true. that's not. That is not. But do you know why life. though, Paul? Do you we know why? We get a different AJ on podcast. Do you know why? You enjoy it. No, because it's so dang easy. <laughs> Like, literally, like, I could say, like, three words, and you're, like, shot to hell in a handbasket. It's just too easy. It's just too easy. If if you, if you, uh, you do understand, because you're fans of It's like MJ shooting a free throw with his eyes closed, man. That's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He should have shot three pointers with his eyes closed so that he could actually make some. That wasn't part of the game back then. Anyway. AJ, we're glad you're back because so it finally gives up a chance to discuss the Detroit Tigers and <laughs> yes. their hire of a new manager, AJ Hinch. Something that I think at least two out of the four of us, if not all four of us, were really hoping for with this Tigers mm-hmm. team. Uh, it can be a little bit revisionist history as obviously the Astros was not his first job as manager. He was a manager before that, but it's not anywhere near as memorable as what he did down in Houston. No. But how good of a get is this? For our boys in Detroit. This is single-handedly the best move that Alavila has made in his entire tenure as Tigers GM. I mean, <laughs> the only good one. So, I, short list. Yeah, I, it is a very short list. It's the only good decision that he's really made. I mean, obviously, if Candelario continues to do what he did this last year, then that trade obviously looks better than it was, or that it seemed to be the last couple of years. Um, but hands down, even if even if Candelario becomes some kind of world beater and MVP, which is highly unlikely, this move is still the best move that Alavila's ever made. And it comes on the heels of them basically being gifted A.J. Hinch by the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> Thank you, Chicago. 
Like, let's not let's not minimize the role that the Chicago White Sox played in this whole issue of hiring Tony Larusa that nobody. Yeah, that's that's the better. Like, how did this even happen? How did AJ Hinge <laughs> fall into our laps when the White Sox had every chance to grab him? Well, it worked Listen, out perfect. Well, like, if you think try, about it, right? if you think about it, if you think no, about it, there were three tried. openings. There were three openings. There were the Red Sox, the White Sox, and the Tigers. And how are we the most wanted destination out of those three? Well, here's why, because Alex Cora was always going back to the Red Sox after sure. his suspension. So that really wasn't even a job opening. Listen, do you want you want to work on the South Side of Chicago? Well, no, absolutely I not. I mean, look, also, like, Been there many times. maybe Hinch would have nice. took the Chicago job, but you got to be offered a job to take. Yeah, and you have to be interviewed for a job. <laughs> Apparently, he was never even interviewed, which is even crazier in my mind that you – Default to Tony Larusa, who's been out of the game since I think 2011. Yeah, won the World Series with the Cardinals in 2011 and walked off. Yeah, and to not even interview one of the more recent World Series champions. Now it's a little bit different. Like I think the Tigers are actually probably a better position for Hinch to come in because he's has a track record of doing exactly what we need him to do as the Tigers manager. Larusa is going in with a, an already established team. If and let's put this caveat in there, if he even gets to manage them because <laughs> of this whole arrest situation that is going on, so they well, may they have really screwed them. Yeah, but apparently, like, there's a lot of rumblings that he might not even manage them, which would really screw the pooch for the Chicago White Sox, right? Like, think about that. You hire Tony Larusa instead of AJ Hinch. He's arrested for a DUI. And then he never manages for your team. So not only do you not get the manager you want, you missed out on the manager you should have gotten, and you have to settle for essentially your third best option. Um, it's a great move for the Tigers. I, I know that there's a lot of baggage that comes with that, and I think Tigers fans have to accept the baggage that comes with that. Um, we've talked about it at length on the podcast. I think that A.J. Hinch and I... I believe i even said this on the podcast but i i always felt like him and the gm were the scapegoats of that whole scandal um oh for sure and so Did they, I, have they proved anything of how much he actually knew of it he admitted to knowing of it and trying to stop it but i mean what's he gonna do hey guys stop right like so hinch, so, hinch bench also all the guys a, that are not, yeah are doing I, it and then but he paid his penalty, and, and, I mean, if you think about it, he, he did the time that he was, you know, handed down. He paid the restitution, and now he deserves a second chance just like anybody else does. So, A.J. Hinch's thing has always been being able to level with the players, being able to be on the same page and get in tune with in manage his players on a personal level right like he's always mm -hmm. been known for his ability to connect with his players like he's well not... he's the perfect mesh of the old school gut manager with the new age analytics yeah and, and he doesn't he's that's because there's high stakes right he's not, if we get caught we're all going he's down. not well, an old man maybe. hard ass coming in that's my way or the highway whatever right like he is very personal relationship and in tune with his clubhouse and and he manages the pitching staff very very well very well exceptionally and it's why he's been as successful as he has been that plays a role in something like this when your players and it was 
player bred, led everything start to finish when your players come up with this scheme for stealing signs and we're not gonna again debate how no. bad or not bad that it's is not worth it my take is very different than yours it's, but it's whatever what what options do you have at that point as a manager so obviously i mean let's rule off rule out the nonsense you're not being like i'm turning you guys into major league baseball like that's not happening it wouldn't make any sense in a million years. So you sit there, you're the manager, you're winning, you're doing whatever, and this comes to your attention. What do you do? You go to the players and you're like, you know, it's cool, whatever. I'm glad you guys are trying to get an edge, but we probably shouldn't do this. It's maybe a little bit skirting the rules, right? Um, and they're like, nah, I want to do this. It's working really well, and we're just going to keep doing said, it. Damn, bro, you want to win? And it's like, you know yeah, what I do. And then what What are you going to do? Like, what you start benching players you cause a rift in the clubhouse between you and them with your job on the line you have to what deal guys like where does it where do you as a manager you're almost powerless in the situation and i i know that a lot of old idiots will be like oh do the right thing cheating's cheating which is completely nonsense because every team cheats in this way anyways they just don't do it as sophisticated but okay cheating's cheating do the right thing well the right thing probably costs hinch his job it and did. if it doesn't – no, I'm saying if he did the right thing. It probably oh, still cost him his I, I, job. Oh, I get you. Yeah. And if it doesn't cost him his job, it completely blows up that locker room. It rips apart the team. They, It, it destroys everything, which will eventually cost him his job anyway. Right. right. So at what time you sit back and you can say, Trumpet, do the right thing all you want, and you should let this happen under your watch, and it's your clubhouse. But if you put yourself in his shoes – and you, what are your actual options? And what are the consequences of those options? I mean, bro, they were stealing signs. Every team does it. I don't care if they were doing it in a more 2019 way. All right? It doesn't bother me. And if it bothers you, it bothers you. But to act like this man should have just cast aside his entire clubhouse and his job and everything because do the right thing when it's not that big. A, it's not like... The, he was walking in and you got eight guys injecting needles into their arms i mean it's it's not and yeah so but for, for again stick, i think you're comparing apples to oranges there i mean but it's when people say do the right thing it's the same shit yeah but when you have when you have major league pitchers saying that they would much rather face a guy on steroids than somebody who knows exactly what pitch is coming Okay, well, we have done this argument I, before. It's on podcast number 70-something. If y'all want to listen to it, go back then. No, <laughs> right. That, I, I agree, I, and I wasn't trying to make it that. I'm just saying, it's like, it's not the same It's not the same thing. I agree with you. I think it was kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for Hinch. Um, but, again, I go back to this. He paid the penalty he was handed down. He served his time. He was offered another job. He has every right to get a second chance, just like anybody else in this country gets a right to have a second chance. And so he gets that second chance in Detroit in a team that improved um, from 2019 to 2020. Even though I know 60 games is somewhat of a small sample size, there was... Yeah, we lost like half as many games as the year before. (laughs) Right, but even still, even in that small sample size, you saw youth of like an injection of youth. Um, in fact, MLB.com today put out, um, the one person on every team that's most likely to win an award. Um, and Tariq Skubal was actually the one that was, um, 
put up for the Tigers to win the AL Rookie of the Year uh, next year. So over Casey Mize, which I think is speaking a lot. I think they both had really good kind of debuts in Cups of Coffee this last year. Uh, I think Scooble was a little bit better in that regard, but Hinch is in a perfect position um, to kind of recreate a little bit of what they did on the field, what they did in their program, um, aside from the scandal, obviously, in Houston. And and I think what's even more amazing um, with this whole decision and everything that went on, the fact that A.J. Hinch fell in our lap, is it seems that he was able to go and get the coaches that he wanted to bring in. It doesn't seem as though there was a lot of higher management influence in those decisions um, because it every coach that he brought in or retained ha- is like a home run. Like, we have a great, great coaching staff. Literally tra- traded in a used Honda Civic for a Lamborghini as far as coaching staffs are concerned. Um, and the top name on that list is Chris Fetter. I told you guys, I what, three, four, five weeks ago, the most important hire that they make is not going to be the manager, but is going to be the pitching coach. Well, the manager hires the pitching coach. Well, not always. Sometimes the GM. Well, in this case. And that's AJ, exactly what this, I was saying. This goes back to us being on the same wavelength, right? Right. Because like how, be- how much do we talk about how important the pitching coach is? Right. We did. To developing, and- A, your pitchers, our young talent. You look at our specific team that the our strength is our young pitching talent Course. right so i i told you as soon as the literally the day that guardy announced his retirement i said what did i say i said our managerial candidate list is one name long right right yeah and we in you and you told me i wasn't gonna get my wish I, I did. was gonna happen. He, which, he, he, he didn't expect Chicago to be stupid. Which is fine. I I was being crazy optimistic, and I just if he was available, like if we had a chance at him, like that's the guy. Obviously, I'm not so. Down, I'm like, not so years. sure though. I'm also not so sure that Hinch to the White Sox was a locked. Like I don't think so either. I think you know what I mean. Like everybody be, assumes that this, it was, and and people, and this is not to take away from what the White Sox are. No, they're you're 100% a very right. talented right team, but you got a guy in AJ Hinch that, um, I I just I don't I don't know if the White Sox would have necessarily been a good fit, um, especially given the fact that he played here in Detroit. Like he knows this. Like I don't I don't really put too much stock into that. Um, but I, I just, I can't get over the fact that we hired the one coach that is considered to be the best in his position in any level of baseball. And that's Chris Fetter as our pitching coach. Um, widely, 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 well, hold on before you toot the maize and blue horn here for a second. Widely considered by (laughs) many people across the game to be the best coach pitching coach at any level high school collegiate professional minor league whatever chris fetter and he's wearing the old english d like that is when we talked about it a few weeks ago on the cast that that hire was more important than the manager hire and the fact that we hit two home runs 
with both of those is a reason to be excited. So we got a head coach or head coach, sorry. We got a manager that's come in and for the five years he was at Houston, first of all, he was given an okay team above 500 team, turned them into a great team. Mm-hmm. Before that, he had a quick shot with Arizona many right. years before. And who was his bench coach, coach in Arizona? Uh, you got me there. Kurt Gibson. Uh, okay. So this is a young guy, 45 years old. And if this plays out right, we have a shot, and it's a far-off shot, and it's nothing that's going to happen right away, but we have a shot for a lot of wins and a legacy left with mm-hmm. a young coach who could be here for 20 years. I mean, ideally, I think that would be the dream in a perfect world. I don't think in today's sports that ever happens. No. I I mean, it's it's a pipe dream that no matter how things go, right. he's probably not going to be around that long. Not to mention, guys like Fetter, guys like Fetter are eventually going to leave for promotions. It's but, it's just the sport, and it's yeah. But I don't. But does Fetter leave to be a manager? I don't think so. Like his thing is pitching, right? And and that's that's where I think that the baseball is a little bit different than say like a football, right? Where you have like a Mike Vrabel who's, who's a defensive coordinator and goes, gets a head coaching job and, and is successful in that position. You don't like, you saw it most recently when the New York Mets hired Mickey Calloway, the Indians pitching coach, which was great because it took Calloway away from the Indians where he was doing a great job. And he went to manage the Mets and it was a disaster. So in baseball, you're a little bit more specialized as far as the coaching roles go. I mean, look at Lloyd McClendon, right? Like, if you can kind of do a bunch of good things, but you can't do any of them great, you just tend to bounce around and be passed over. So with Chris Fetter, I don't see Chris Fetter, and I could be totally wrong on this. This is complete conjecture. So I just want that on the record right from the get-go. I see him as, like, the pitching guru. I don't see him as, like, leaving to take a job to manage somewhere. So I want I want to believe in your words. And your entire – everything you said is correct. It's not wrong. But I look at a guy like Fetter. Fetter is – he's not a household name. Not yet. But people that know baseball know and adore Chris Fetter because yes. he is a magician. They're going. They're going to know with the talent that he has, with the talent that he has, and the the accolades that he's accumulated so far at U of M. He will be a household name. He'll be a Leo Mazzoli rocking on the bench. Remember him, Matt. So you have a guy Mm -hmm. who, as you've (laughs) said, Bobby Cox and Leo Mazzoli, and I a hundred percent agree with, coaches the most important position in baseball. He he has the most important positional coach in baseball, right? And we agree he's exceptional at his job. Mm-hmm. What he's done everywhere he's been, what he did in Michigan, and what he's going to continue to do for the Tigers with our young mm-hmm. pitching talent. No doubt in my mind is he going to improve them beyond belief. That guy is going to be coveted by other teams. Like, you want that guy. And there's not many coaches of his caliber going around. And so when you want that guy... You have to do special to get him. And you have – and you, you're right. It's not baseball. Or I'm sorry. It's not football where you take the hot OC and you say, you know what? We're going to make him head coach so we can get his offensive system over here. 
Right, because you can kind of hide in that position in you a look football at, situation. He spent the last few years under Dan Bakich, right? Yep. One of the best coaches in college baseball. Okay. He's coming up to the majors to coach under Hinch, who we believe is one of the best coaches. I'm going to continue in the game to right have now. Yep. a lot of success, right? So he has that experience under elite leaders in running a clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And he has all the elite qualities at pitching coach. If you're another team and you're looking for an up-and-comer and you have a guy with elite qualities at the most important position and it's going to take – I mean, what are you going to do? You can't just throw money at a pitching coach. I mean, it's not like we couldn't match it. How no, yeah, I, I get that. I, I so get where you're going with that. So it's going to take a promotion. And why wouldn't a team do that? And then you could say, well, does Chris want it? Right. Well – then I would pose the question, who coaching in Major League Baseball right now is turning down a manager position? You know right. what I mean? So no, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just think like his situation and if we have the success that we want to have and hopefully expect to have, I don't think that as long as A.J. Hinch is here, we'll also be able to retain Federer as a pitching well, coach. I think it will be too difficult. I think that you're looking down the road. I am. Way down I, the road. I, I listen, you're, you're the – Matt, you don't get to talk, Mr. 20 years. Well, listen, listen. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about having a manager for 20 years since the guy is young. But, see, I'm saying, like, let's say that, like, let's say that Matt is somewhat right. And, and Hinch kind of starts to build this legacy tenure and things are trending up and we're just – like he becomes this like stalwart position in Detroit. Steve He's our Kerr. manager. Yeah, Steve like, Kerr, but in baseball. Right, and and things are going well, and we let's say that you know everybody's dreams comes true, and we've won a World Series, and and all of that, and and that legacy is being built. Um, I could see where you are correct that the next move for Feder is out, but I don't think that that happens until at least six seven years down the road maybe you even know, a decade from now this if, is gonna be very haterish but i'm sure you've heard me bemoan it many times and anyone who's ever watched baseball has heard me bemoan it many times as excited as i am and i this is not hyperbole it's borderline same level of excitement as excited as i am to get hinch and fetter i cannot express how just the absurd level of joy that I feel that Dave Clark is no longer around this baseball team. I can, I have never ever in my life seen, and I'm not saying they don't exist. I don't pay that close attention to all the other teams, third base and first base coaches. I've never seen someone so lost out there is Dave Clark. And he has been around for so long respected by so many for god knows what reason i am so happy that i never have to see dave clark messing up a base running decision again ever in this last year they moved his stupid ass over to first base where he couldn't do as much harm but dude oh my goodness i'm so happy to have him out and yeah so we got chip hill right and we got ramon santiago do you guys remember him well, he He's was our, on our team. He was our on our coaching it, staff yeah, last we year. Retain- he was the only retainee. Was he the only one? I th- I'm I thought pre- there well, was Juan two. Nieves. Juan Nieves was in our system last year. <laughs> was um, he 
He's gonna be so our Chris hitting Hunter's coach, Lackey, right? Yeah, his assistant pitching coach. So guess where we got our hitting coach from? I don't know. You tell Chicago me. White Sox. Oh, that's beautiful. Which oh, is good so because wonderful. they had a great offense, right? That's wonderful. I love it. It's beautiful. Chip Why Hale, he... he was. Oh. Huh? It's beautiful. Chip Hale was with the uh, the Nationals. I want to say he spent some time with the Dodgers, but I, I like Chip. Wrong. Chip's cool. So, AJ. Yeah. Greatest manager in Detroit Tigers history is. Like modern history or recent? Or all of history? Go modern. Jim Leland. Okay, sorry. Let's go more ancient. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want him to say Sparky? <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I mean, if in my lifetime, I mean, even though I did live during the Sparky tenure, it, a Sparky ancient. and Jim Leland are 1A, 1B. Okay. Well, in most minds, people who are older than us, it's Sparky. Right. How old is AJ Hinch? 45. You know how old Sparky was when he joined us? 45. 45. I'm gonna guess. And we right? got him. And we got him till 61. <laughs> this okay. is what I'm hoping there, for. There, there's see, 16 year contract with AJ, like with AJ Hinch. I'm hoping see, for something like uh, this. But see, I would love that because you don't see that anymore. The question I mean, is, and if he's here for 16 years, he obviously listen. So like, right. so but it's all gonna be dependent upon one: how successful do we become, and how long does he want to do it? Right. So let's say that the trajectory stays the way that we're projecting it to go, and we get to the mountaintop and all that. And let's say that maybe we win the World Series twice in eight years, right? Does Hinch want to stay that long? Or does he want to be like, I've got three World Series rings. I've got a ton of money in the bank. I just want to live life. Right. There's always that. So there, and, and, and you don't like, that's what, that's where I think sports are different nowadays. Like Sparky's generation, Leland, all those guys, like they worked, right? It was their, that's just what they did. It was just part of them. They couldn't get it. And, and now I feel like people, there's so much money involved in the game that you live comfortably and you're just like, I can go when I want to go. And and so that's the only thing I think that would not get us to that point. But yeah, if things go on the trajectory that we hope that it does, I mean, you're looking so at a very... Let's talk trajectory. What are, you, what are we looking at here? Playoffs in three years? No, I think that's too long. That's too long. I, I think so. I mean, well, here's the deal, right? You've got two of your five stud uh, pitchers that were up last year that have experience, right? Yep. You've got a a decent prospect pool that has gotten some experience at this point that's going to continue to get better over the next year or two. Next year, I, I want to say, and I've said from – the beginning of this rebuild in 2017 that 2021 was going to be the year that things turned around like possibly contending for like a 500 record maybe possibly a wild card spot and then from there you go forward so i'm thinking that like within two years you were contending for at least a wild card spot now how are we on cap space and being able to add to our team we should be fine let me uh pull that up actually because we got rid of Zim's contract, so assuming we don't, assuming we don't do something stupid in the interim here, we should be okay. The only contract on the books, big massive contract, is Miguel's. That literally, our our salary right now, according to Spot Track, 
our active payroll will be about $53 million. So what does that leave so, us to play with? God, that's mostly Miggy, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, 29, $29 million of that 53 is Miggy. Um, but, thank God, coins, thank God but, we got rid of Jordan Zimmerman's contract. But that's all per, That's that's all the stuff that's not on the books. Do we re-sign Scope? Do we re-sign Crone? Two additions that I think that we probably should make, actually. Um, that's going to bump that number up. Um, it's... It's going to be really interesting to see what they do in free agency. Um, you know, we need a catcher. Um, we have Jake Rogers, but for some reason they seem to have soured on him. Because um, he sucks. What? It, but he doesn't suck, though. Like, you can't – you want to talk about small sample size. Like, the dude has maybe a – I don't even know if he has 100 at-bats in the major leagues. You can't say that he sucks. And and, and proof of that is Candelario. I told you he's got to have a thousand at bats. They say a thousand at bats is when you can tell truly the type of hitter that someone's going to be, right? Everybody for a couple of years was just oh Candelario, what like he's got to go. This is his last opportunity. He starts to get around that thousand at bat thing this year, and what happened this year? He raked this year. So so. Baseball more than any other sport, and you know this, I'm, I'm preaching in the choir, you have to be patient. Like, nobody's coming up and setting the world on fire unless your name is Mike Trout, unless your name is Juan Soto. Like, you, Ronald Acuna, like, those guys are not the pr- prospects that we have. So, you have to be patient. Jake Rogers needs to have a chance. He's not getting younger. He should have played this year. I don't know why he was not up this year. That was a mistake on Avila's part, in my opinion. You let him play. You see what you have. Um, catcher's going to be a position. They could look, you know, for, like, some left field help. Christian Stewart's obviously not the guy. Um, so I would look at, you know, maybe a Kyle Schwarber, especially with what's going on with the Chicago Cubs and Theo Epstein stepping down. There's probably going to be some payroll cut there. Uh, Kyle Schwarber would be a great name to keep your eye on because he could DH on days that you want to give Miggy a rest. I would I would definitely re-sign Crone. Uh, I, I thought that he did a great job coming in this year and taking over first base from Miguel Cabrera so he could be the DH. And then that gives you the opportunity to groom Paredes and Torkelson for the following year. Right, you can bring them up in spot places, give them extended looks, send them back down, whatever the case may be, um, because Candelario really, really, really screwed everybody up this year. Because everybody thought he was on his way out, and then he comes out and does what he does, and now they're like, okay, now where are we going to play him? So they try to make him into a first baseman, which is fine; they can do that. But I just there's, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just keep thinking about Moneyball. <laughs> Yeah, Scott Hatterberg. It's not hard. Tell him. It's incredibly hard. It's incredibly I hard. I just watched that movie the other night. I love that movie so much. It, I trust AJ Hinch. Yeah, I trust AJ Hinch we too. Did the last year, the last three years, it doesn't. It's it's gone. It's water under the bridge. I'm like, well, I'm over it. But it does matter bad. though because that's the roster that we built over those years, and that's what AJ Hinch has to work with right now, right? So, so I, I think like. 
Right, so let's temper fans. We're not going to be winning 100 games next year. No, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it, it has to be patience. How you know, do you know? Well, We're not, well I, because you make because some you, significant I'm roster I'm changes. Uh, that's not, that doesn't need a real answer. Okay. I, <laughs> but, I, I, but I mean, like, to I be honest like, with you, you could be you could be looking at a 500 club last, next year. I mean, You are more how optimistic exci- than I expected you to be. How, how excited... Are you going to be as the Tigers are eighty one and eighty one next year? Oh, it'd be I'd be wild. stoked! I mean, <laughs> if they're north of seventy five, it's going to be it's fantastic. when we're eighty one and eighty one. We can't go to the games, and we would just stand outside the stadium. When we're eighty one and eighty one <laughs> in, in the Sox, the Sox are eighty and eighty two, and we're just yelling at Dylan every single day all summer so, long. Uh, so oh here's so here's the oh thing. Here's the thing that you gotta you gotta keep your eye on next year. What does Chris Fetter do with Joe Jimenez? That's going to be, well, hopefully, but he's, he but, might be too. He, I think he's too far gone. But. Sends him up to the well, and here's probably the thing. too far gone. But here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oh my god! With Joe Jimenez, so yes, he the analytics and the stuff that Chris Fetter brings is not going to fix his problem right now because well, his, his problem is entirely mental, entirely mental. Well, it's our fault. We broke it, him because we're trash. We're well, a poverty franchise. But, but. He also is only 26 years old. So Joe Jimenez is, by baseball terms, not even to his prime Shoot, years yet. I thought yet. he was like 23 or 24. No, he's not even to his prime years yet. So he's at the precipice right now where he's either going to take the step forward or become Bruce Rondon. And so that's going to be a key for us because we got to have more arms in the bullpen than Buck Farmer and um, – shoot – uh, who was the guy they kept going to last year? Brian Garcia. Okay. It, it That's going to be huge. Do Mize and Scooble increase on the performance that they had this year? And what starting pitching do we have around them? Is Turnbull consistent enough? Does Matt Boyd shake off this year that was a disaster for him? Does Fulmer bounce back? And I fully expect Fulmer to bounce back. He's this year was an aberration given the fact that he had just come back off of Tommy John. He'll be fine. Finding a role for Daniel Norris. I'm surprised like that you think that too, after all the hate that you've had for him in your heart. It's not that I have hate in my heart for him, it's the fact that he should have been traded when he was most valuable that's if fair. we were in I, that's, a rebuild. That's absolutely fair. Like, I, I can't I can't knock you on that. It's, like, it's true. Think about think about if we had made a trade and had Alex Bregman on our team or Javi Baez on our team right now. And we would have traded him when we were still to the point of competing, right? And and then would have still controlled those young players. And then he gets hurt, and we don't have to worry about Fulmer and all that, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, the yeah, move right. to you're make was right. then. So that's the only – I have no ill will to Fulmer. He's a great pitcher and, and was a great pitcher and, and I think can still be a very good pitcher. Um. But it's just going to be interesting to see. I mean, a lot of what happens next year is going to be how willing Illich is to open up the wallet a little bit. It's not time right now to spend on a free, it's like not, a massive free agent. But but getting good, serviceable, cheap options is going to serve us well like we did last year with Scope and Crone. And I still, again, I'm going to harp on the fact that they should resign them again for one-year deals. Scope probably would command a two-year deal given the year that he has. So if he walks, you can find a second base, a second base replacement. Um, but getting a guy like Michael Brantley, who played for Hinch, right? Great left fielder, great professional hitter, would be 
a wonderful mentor to young players. It's going to be real interesting to see what Daz Cameron does next year. He's only 24. So the season could legitimately go either way next year, but I fully expect it to be close, flirting with, possibly getting two 500 wins. So I got a question for you. 500 record, not wins, because that would be impossible in a 162-game season. You're saying it's not time to, you know, to make a big splash, you know, in free agency or anything like that. You also said we need a catcher. And there is a catcher out there that would be a big splash in free agency in Real Muto. Right. Is that an exception in your mind in a position as important as catcher in baseball to maybe make that splash and snag him up? I don't know. I I mean, obviously, if you have a chance to get Real Muto, you get Real Muto. But is he worth worth the the money given I mean, it's gonna be a chunk of dough it's so gonna that's, be a, that's the problem Especially... it's gonna be a chunk of money and i mean he's he's gonna be 30 by the time the season starts that's well, so like the, so mm, what's pudge? pudge is like not pudge jesus christ pudge <laughs> not pudge um how old is yadier now yadier has got to be 30 something but he's gotta again, be 40 right yeah, I mean he's older, but again, you're you're talking. It's I know. really I'm hard talking to com- one of the one of the greater one of the greater catchers of our generation. Yeah, but. he's he's going to turn thirty nine next season. Yeah. Okay. So I the age thing isn't crazy to me. So it kind of thirty ties year into old the catcher question. though. It's it kind of ties into the question that Matt asked you: is how long till we are playoffs contending? Whatever. Right. I'm not. As optimistic as you, I think you're bar. And if you overachieve, great. If you underachieve, hopefully not too much. But like your bar, you're setting it today. You look at the talent coming up. Hopefully, we'll draft well, make some good signings. You look at our <laughs> coaching staff, our managerial staff, and I say, in three years, we got to make the playoffs. Food. His third season, I expect to make I'm the playoffs. That's what in, I'm thinking. In year five, we should be I'm a contender. Thinking. Like we should have actual hopes that we have a chance to win this thing in year five. So that's my timeline. Third year in the playoffs, year five, like, we can do some real fucking damage. Like, we could win this thing. Now, on the line, go on that timeline, so... That's not much different real than what Muto my timeline is 29 was, by the way. Right now. I don't know exactly when he turns 30. I he know turns that, 30 on March 18th. I know that... Alright, so March 18th, so before the season. So we'll say he's 30. We'll pretend he's 30 right now. Right. So... The year that we'd be making the playoffs, he's 33. The year we're trying to contend is 35. It's borderline. It is. Right. It's not like cut and dry. Like, his game could fall off a bit. I think I think him coming in speeds up that timeline a little, too. Maybe. And I don't know if you Maybe want to speed up the timeline that much. Because sometimes you get into this, you get into the cycle where you're better than you expected, earlier than you expected... But that and kind you of messes you up for your peak yourself. down the road. Right. I, yeah, yeah, we don't want to so flame out. And that's and that's the thing. Like you want to, you want everyone to kind of cres- hit the crescendo hit at the, the same top. time. Yeah, that's, that's exactly oh, that, what I was, I was just gonna, going to so say. So I was going to say that word, and in my head I was like, that might be wrong. That's exactly I, what I was going all right, to say. Yeah, you want everyone to guys, crescendo at the same time. Yep. And and if you if you do too much like this, maybe that messes it up, and you got not the flow that you wanted. Plus. It really always comes down to the money, and in this free agency market, he's like the diamond out there. But yeah, I don't think to... that would always be the case. I think he's going to command more money than I would be comfortable spending on him, given Plus all you circumstances. Gotta, you also have to think, too, he's 
to that point in his career where chasing a ring. Yeah, it's not well, not even not even chasing a ring, but like him coming to Detroit and having to wait three years is gonna be problematic. Now, in twenty twenty two, yeah, I don't know, man. You gotta hope that one of our uh one of our young catching prospects. Well, and that's that's what I'm thinking. Like, I am thinking long term with picking a guy, you know, like Real Muto, who you know is 30 and will only have so many years behind the plate anyway. But in that time, yeah. you know, either he pans out for you, which is great, or you have time to groom his replacement while staying in somewhat contention and keeping hopes alive in Detroit in general. But obviously, with the Tigers of trying to, you know. Make some noise so, in the postseason. So the question is: So the question is, what do you want out of your What do you want out of your catcher? Do you want somebody? Are you? Do you want a defensive first catcher? Or do you want a a an offensive first catcher? Right. Given the situation that we're in with the Tigers and the pitching staff that we have, we want somebody who can manage a pitching staff. Mm-hmm. We want somebody whose focus is more a defensive minded catcher that might hit, you know, 240, right? Right. If they get to 280, that's a huge bonus for us. When I look at the free agents that are available for catchers this year, the name that sticks out in my mind, and he's older, but we're talking about like a one-year deal, is Kurt Suzuki. Mm -hmm. I think he would be a great addition for our, our team. I think Austin Romine did a great job last year. But if you were to say cut Griner from the forty man, to, because that's something that we haven't talked about, right? We've got a number of prospects that have to be protected from the Rule Five Draft. We have three open forty man spots right now. If we sign any free agents, those forty man spots are gone. So we're going to be making cuts, and you're going to see some of those older prospects probably get cut, so that we can protect. Fiedo, who's Rule 5 eligible, Manning, Joey Wentz. The easy decisions, according to MLB.com, are Fiedo and Manning, obviously. that's probably Those are probably the three guys you're most likely to protect on the 40-man. Um, so now your roster's already at 40. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. they've got a lot of maneuvering that they have to do in this offseason. That's where, like, when we get into this free agency talk, I almost wonder if, like, Maybe they don't add anybody. So, assuming everything goes semi-normal and we see this growth and we see this hope continue to flourish in Detroit, mm-hmm. and say we have AJ for the next decade, next mm-hmm. tw- 10 years, wins our World Series. I want everyone to make a guess. Well, that's what I said was year five is the year that you want to contend. Did, so did you say 2026 World so Series? Five no, no. Or six. no, we have the next 10 years. Oh. Next 10 years, from 2021 to 2030. I said that next year they kind of start taking that step forward. Possible wild card in 2022. Just like Paul said, playoffs in the third year. I Yeah, I think you're looking at 2025, 2026. You know, maybe it's like uh, maybe they get to an ALCS in 2026 and then win it in 2027. Mm-hmm. Be okay with that. I'd be okay with that. I'm thinking 2027. Initially, when you first asked the question, my gut said 2028. But, because, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, 
we we consider Jim Leland to be a very successful manager in Detroit, and he never won a World Series. Right. Right. So like, because winning the World Series is so dang hard. Yep. So and everything could go right. You could have the best team in the major leagues, like we did in 2013, and not even make the World Series. So that's always such a crapshoot and so hard to measure a team on, which I know Paul's going to be like, well, well, you measure Michigan based on that kind of stuff, blah, 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 why don't you? But um, obviously we want to win the World Series. It's just so hard to predict something like that. Uh, I'm going to say year six. I'm going to say year six. Okay, Ryan? Would you say when the Tigers will win the World Series? Yeah, like make you know, the World the, Series. Make the World Series. Oh, make the yeah, World Series. Let's go. Let's go. Twenty twenty four. I'm I'm putting together make and win. <laughs> okay. I'm being hopeful here. We should have two other World Series already. Uh yeah, I know. All right, well, let's move on. Got to move on to the hardwood real quick because as we are speaking right now, the NBA draft is going on. The Detroit Pistons have already made their first pick in the draft, number seven overall in Killian and Hayes. And pick. one of us. Uh, they, they made the second one, too. One of us is very excited, and they just made the second one, which is perfect timing on our part to switch over to the hardwood. So, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I I love Killian. <laughs> I, I didn't know what we were doing. I love the pick of Killian Hayes, man, and I can't tell you how much I loved it. He's the guy I wanted besides LaMelo, but he never really thought LaMelo was going to fall to us. No. That was more just like a like a pipe dream, right? But to me, getting Killian Hayes at seven is such a massive bargain because he was my third best player in the draft. I had LaMelo over in my head, Anthony Edwards, and those are the two guys that I would have taken over him had they been available. But, of course, you knew they weren't going to be available. So to get Killian Hayes... Uh, a big guard who's a, a really good playmaker and not not the best set shooter. Like, if you look at his percentage from three, it's under 30%. And you're like, oh, my God, that's terrible. But, like, watching him, he's, he's a shooter almost like Luke is a shooter. Right? It, where, you, like, you look at the percentage and you're like, oh, that's trash. But he has, like, the, the hardened step backs, like the side steps. And then he takes and makes threes, and it's like, well, how the hell did that go in? So there's something there, and plus he shot 88% from the free throw line. Granted, it was limited attempts, but that shows you that he's got really nice touch, mm-hmm. and he's got uh, some nice touch on We, on we like our point guards well. that make free throws. <laughs> oh, man, I, I love it, especially when you get above, like, 85% and you're bordering on, like, elite free throw shooting. Mm-hmm. Give, give me all of that. But that uh, that shows you that he can develop better um, as an outside shooter in the NBA, especially when your free throw percentage, you know, is obviously so high. He's big. He's not real good on defense yet, but he has the measurables that he can be good on defense, and he's still really young. Um, he's he's only 19, so you get him in in a system, and you know, obviously you get him facing NBA NBA competition. And he's not going to be a lockdown defender right away, but it's not something that the Pistons need him to do right now. And I think trading away Bruce Brown kind of tells you this year they don't really care how their season goes defensively. Um, they just want guys in that they think have potential to be good. And then if they suck this year, you know, you get a, a, a higher pick next year. But, I mean, he's somebody that can develop into one of the best point guards in the NBA, in my opinion. He's got to get stronger, which at the NBA level, pretty much everybody gets stronger anyway. Um, just through, you know, like NBA training, weightlifting, and then going against, you know, gr- grown, grown men every single night. 
so I'm not too worried about that. Like I said, it might it might not look too pretty um, right off the bat, but we really don't need it to. So this is somebody that I think if he gets the experience can be, you know, like a top eight, top seven-ish point guard in the NBA um, by the time that he's hit his prime. And then that's, you know, of course, somebody that you can build a team around. And I love having him and Sekou, um, who already have a connection because they're both from France. Although Killian's not really from France. That's just kind of more of his background. Um, he, it looks like he grew up there and his dad was from there and he played some pro ball there. Um, but that's definitely his nationality, what he identifies with. So I think um, having him and Seku here, and it might be a smoother transition um, just into the NBA lifestyle, which is something that uh, you always worry about with these young guys. Oh, hell too. yeah, they can run pick and rolls and just talk out loud in French, and ain't no one going to know what the hell they're saying. That's right, like Kobe perfect. and Powell in uh, Spanish. Exactly, that worked out real well for the Lakers. So we like our guards that can make free throws. Obviously, that was towards Chauncey, and Killian looks like he can do that as well. We also like our players named Isaiah, and the biggest thing... <laughs> that we love in Detroit with our Pistons is work ethic. And with the Pistons' second pick, Isaiah Stewart, a six foot nine power forward out of Washington, joins the Motor City. And this kid, Ryan, this is a kid who walked to practice when he didn't have a ride. He's got that work <laughs> ethic down pat, raised with it from his father. And this is a guy that feels slighted coming into this draft. And I believe I like that. I is like going that. to work his ass off to remind people in his mind. He says, remind people of what this kid can do. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's somebody who brings a lot of energy to the floor, too. Uh, he has a work ethic, you know, a, a very good motor, but it makes up for some some of the stuff, you know, th that he lacks, right? Not a, not a great shooter, not a great athlete, really, like, not, not a great passer. So... When, when he's in the game, you can really just kind of uh, expect him to almost do the right thing, right? And you don't want to sound necessarily too cliche. But, is he, uh, is he our Big he's, Ben? Is that what he basically equates to? No, because I think, I think Big Ben was way more athletic. Um, but I do think that uh, he possesses not the same shot-blocking ability necessarily. But um, he had two blocks like per 40 minutes. Which is pretty good, especially for somebody who who is you know six nine. And then when you go into smaller ball lineups, um, he has a seven four wingspan too. So I think he can be uh, effective in in that um, in in that end of it. And he's obviously way more of a project, I think, than um, than Killian is. And to me, he you know, looks the, like the he's got a pretty decent mid range game. Oh snap! The Pistons send Luke Kennard to the Clippers. Oh my God. I'm so upset, dude. I wasn't going to spoil it for pick. Ryan. I wasn't going to spoil it. This is such a dumb trade. Beautiful. Why on earth are you giving beautiful, up Kennard for a 19th pick? Because they're going to draft Tyrell Terry. That's why. They don't want to pay Kennard. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to pay Kennard either. This is ridiculous. Um, are you kidding me right now? He's the no, one pick. Kennard's going to ask he's for like the, 16 or 17 million. He's the one Hell no, pick that it. actually panned out for you. That's well, not we for do. this GM. He, he pan <laughs> I mean, he's okay. Oh, I hate it. He so didn't much. pan out enough for me to pay oh, him. I hate and he also so might not be in this GM's plans moving forward. Right. I hate it. I hate it. This is this is uh, a whole new oh, realm. We actually so with, have a GM. I, I guess with Listen, that, you telling me with you, that we couldn't have, you, we couldn't have traded Kennard in sixteen to move up to number three and take Mello? Come but on, we man. did not have no, the no, same not. No, we're trying to get pieces. 
ridiculous. Yeah. I'm so mad right now. Um, I'm so mad. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think we could have done that. I don't know that Jordan would went for it. Um, but I, so I do think with the next pick, it's kind of a nice transition. Is Killian's 19, Isaiah's 19. Maybe look for somebody else that's that's real young. Um, you know, to be to be that next guy that the uh, that the Pistons look to take because it seems like Troy Weaver's theme at least. Oh in the no, first no, two I, picks I got your night. I got your next pick from my alma uh, mater, Arizona. His first oh, name okay, right. is no, Zeke. Hell no. His first name oh, okay. is Zeke. We already wait, got an Isaiah uh, in wait, this one. Now about? we gonna get a Zeke. <laughs> Zeke Naji. He's a uh, powerful. Oh, thank God it's not. Thank God it's not Nico Man. <laughs> it's not gonna. It's definitely not Nico Man. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's I not thought gonna you were be gonna say. I'm just playing. I just think no. It's I, there's only that. two that I'll be okay with. If this is pressure, right, someone will so, be pissed. It's gonna be Trey Jones, Zeke baby. Nagy, Zeke Naji, uh, 19 years old too. Yep. <laughs> Granted, he's an older 19 than um than both Isaiah and and Killian are. So <laughs> would you would you like us to tell you who we picked? Because the pick is in. Well, didn't Matt say they picked Zeke? No, 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 no. He did no, no. not. He literally said that they weren't going to pick him. That's why yeah, I was very yeah, confused why you were running with it. I thought it was uh, We picked Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. Hey, I like him better than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not who I wanted at all. Um, I would have liked RJ Hampton, and if not him, I would have liked Theo Meldon. But so, Okay, cool. So, so Sadiq a little bit older, uh, 21. Closer to 22 than he is um, 21, but real he's good a, a 3 and D guy. Real so. good shooter. <laughs> he's no, a I what guy? That's what you need. If he, if he can D. already project as an NBA defender um, and an NBA shooter, I think you got three guys who, depending on what happens, like trading Luke Kennard away, I have to imagine Derrick Rose gets traded before the season. These are three guys who are probably going to be in the rotation very quickly. In, so I do like what Troy Weaver has done in his it, first draft. It makes so sense to get a guy like this giving up canard like this is the kind he's a bigger more athletic better defending canard is what you hope he develops into right what's his name um, hey man this dude's six this dude's six eight he shot <laughs> la- last season in college he shot 45 percent from deep what's his I name mean, sadiq bay uh i spell that s-a-d-i-q i got it man won the dr j small forward of the year award yeah, no, he was he was super super good. As Ryan said, elite defender. Um, Ryan's big on the wingspans. He has a nice, almost seven foot wingspan. Um, I've seen differing height listings: six seven, six eight. I'm gonna believe that he's six eight because I want to. Um, <laughs> but no, he he. As six Ryan eight said, and two sixteen though. That's thin. He's young. It's not that thin. Hey, listen, Isaiah Stewart, I, or not Isaiah Stewart, is Isaiah Stewart? Someone in this draft is like 6'9 and 200. Okay, yes, but that still doesn't They're negate young. the fact These that These are kids. They're, these are children thin. still. Very, very young. I understand. Um, Sadiq's what, 20? How old is he? Uh, 21. Uh, 21. But a 21. young 21. So, so still young. No, it's like 21 and a half. 21.6. Oh, I was lied to. All right, he might as well be 40. <laughs> No, I this he's he's he projects as an elite defender and a potentially elite shooter, um, which I mean, what more do you want? Good this is my too. my I love it. I, it's a nice wing defender, which you cannot have enough of in the NBA, and you can't have enough shooters in the NBA. So I, I do like it. Again, I would have preferred R.J. Hampton. I would have pre- preferred Theo Meldon, but this is not a bad pick. I like this pick 
a lot better than the Isaiah Stewart I mean, pick. Shit, dude, that the way the Pistons been dealing, they might uh, they <laughs> might, they might, might not be done in a minute. Uh, <laughs> he might get Derrick Rose with a twenty. He might be oh. rebuilding his entire team tonight. Well, well and have I mean, you seen the team we've had for the last decade? It's kind of trash. And that's why well, the only thing is we can't trade Blake Griffin. He so. is. He is aggressively. I bet we tried. He is aggressively. <laughs> that's true. Well, you don't know. I mean, if Blake. I mean, weird stuff can happen. The NBA has really dumb trade rules that make it more difficult than it should be to trade guys. But, I mean, if Blake balls out, I don't know, man. Oh, here like, we go. I, I wouldn't this say he's This is the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> the, the four seed. No, no, no. Not not for team performance. I'm talking about trade possibilities. Um, no, if he stays healthy and balls out, I mean, who knows what could happen. But the yeah, NBA I mean, does make like it difficult. Like, especially if it's, like, the first two weeks and Blake's balling out, because the last fully healthy Blake we saw was one of the best Blake's looked in his entire career, right, the, the year before last. So if you can trick a team and Blake stays healthy for, like, the first two weeks and, Paul, to your point, balls out, say he has a 50-point game real early like he did against uh, Philly two for years sure. ago, I, I think you could swindle a, a contender. And it's not even necessarily you a young tricking a pick. team. It might be. I think it's, I think it's a little well, bit. Well, so not if a little bit tricks if they available. say our window, if they say our windows this year or next to win a title, like and they not like say say things don't work out with everybody in Milwaukee, right? And Milwaukee needs a difference maker now, and uh, they're worried about losing Giannis, and they're like, man, like this is our year, we got to go for it, and they trade us a couple disappointments for Blake in a pick. Like who knows? Like it's not necessarily unmovable. It, it, things would have to happen, and it's not likely. But I wouldn't say that you can't trade him. We could get, we could be fortunate, and I am sure that we'll be doing our best to showcase him as much as possible. As AJ said, right? Like we're rebuilding the whole team. This is Weaver is aggressively getting used he to is. this team. Yeah, he's 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 putting a stamp on and, this team. And who knows how much of it's going to pan out? These are all. 19, 19, 21 years old. That's three, the three newest members of the Pistons, right? Like these, as green yeah, as you can sure. be. And it's going to take years to know what we have. And that's good. That's what we have. We have nothing but time. I mean, the, the NFL will kind of throw that out because year, year to year it gets crazy. But of like the normal teams, lines. We know the, normal, we get the normal teams in Detroit, <laughs> like six no one is further from contention than the Pistons, not even the Red Wings, because at least the Red Wings have completed their tear down and now they're starting their rebuild. The Pistons are still in between. They're still tearing down. So the Pistons are the furthest away from getting to the point. So this is, we got, we got to nothing but time. And so we we drafted these young kids with potential and I like it. I do. I didn't love all the picks. I think there were a couple other guys I would have liked a little bit more, but None of them are awful. None of them are off yeah, the I'm wall. I'm surprised crazy. you're not on Sadiq Bay's yeah, 45% from deep alone. I figured you'd be all over that ball. Oh, I said I said I was hyped. No, I like his three and D is no, but, it's but all Bay's about good. It. Stewart would be the one where I'd be like, eh. That's Stewart is the one that I did not like very much. But like I I love Killian and obviously I said that when we got on. I was containing my excitement throughout the entire uh Tiger section <laughs> just to not start <laughs> laughing and Enjoy. See, it's for That's me. That's Sadiq. He's got a funky release on his jumper too. Goes in, bro. It I know. goes in. It I does. Know. <laughs> I know. I'm care. like sitting here watching. I'm like, holy cow! I don't know how I, I, he gets I, the I ball to the rim. I love that AJ's already on the video. Yep. Let's go. He's I've been watching all. Like I watched all three of them. I like that Killian's a little lefty, man. 
He is. So he's like tiny a, though. He's like, like you were saying. He lacks strength. Like, yeah, so does Steph Curry. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah, but right. again, the, he's not uh, Steph Curry. I, I, wish, I wish Killian used his right a little bit more. But right. Like, that's he did that look left down. The Pistons are gonna. You and all of his coaches. Like, I. You know what though? Like watching Isaiah, I I liked the way that he played. Like, yeah. it looked like he had a little decent little yeah, I, mid-range yeah, I jumper. Like, he, I just don't know how but he, 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 like, he banged bodies, man. Like, you well, need that. A, yeah. We love Give that, that all day long. That's yeah. That's why I asked if he was, like, Big Ben. Like, if he could be, like, yeah, Big Ben. More, more of a mix of, like, Rodman and Mahorn. Okay. Well, that won us a championship. What's, what's more Mahorn so. do his game than, <laughs> than Rodman? Well, no, I mean, like, the rebounding. Like, Mahorn, for as big as he is, was not a great rebounder. No, I mean, he wasn't even really a great player. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Like, Rodman was way better than Mahorn. Lambeer was way better than Mahorn. Like, there are a lot of guys who are much better players than Rick Mahorn. But we love him because he does the the play-by-play here, and he won our first title with us. So, what's not to love? Well, you know, I got to say, man, you know, between – between the moves that the Tigers uh, the, have made the, and the Pistons the, have made, things are, you know, we got we got a little bit of hope. Don't sleep on the wings because the, the wings have been doing he, well. The only the team that sucks is the one that continues to suck, well, which is the no, Lions. No, they're not the only the team that sucks. The only, that, that tells you what a good player he is. They're the only team that sucks without direction. See, that's the thing. They like, have no all direction. All of our teams suck right the second. Well, but yes. they have all they all have started moving in the proper direction. Except whereas one. the Lions, it's like just spinning gosh, the wheels. Come on, man! What are we doing? We're celebrating four and five. That's what we're doing. We because we celebrate mediocrity draped in Honolulu blue. That's what we do. We shouldn't because all we did was shoot ourselves in the foot this year. We're gonna see the same shit next year with the same people in charge. I have a feeling you're and right. Paul's gonna. We're going to see Paul in the paper at some point for murdering somebody on that team. Oh, man. Either Patricia, Quinn, Ford, someone. Someone's getting it from Paul Rajan. This is going to be for my own good when Biden (laughs) outlaws guns. (laughs) Beautiful. There it is. Uh, Man, these are some new horizons we talked about tonight. (laughs) You had the Tigers with A.J. Hinch and all their young prospects. I know. You know, what we're already hype about. You got the Pistons, who at the very least tonight, you know, we don't know if any of these players are good. I think that they at least got the ship steered in the right direction. Now, is Weaver the proper captain? I don't know. But the, just the process of starting to, to tear it down and build it back up. Stevie Y is a, a proven great GM in the National Hockey League, and I think it helps that Detroit is still one of those premier destinations in hockey. And then we have the Lions. And we had those Lions who did exactly what Paul said they were going to do last week during the picks. Well, you nailed this thing perfectly. No, hold on. Yeah, no, no. You nailed this perfectly. The Lions are going to get out to a big lead and then they're going to mess around. And if they don't cover the spread, it's because they messed around too much and let Washington back into it, which is exactly what was the score? It was 20 to three. It was 24 to three in the second half. We had a 21-point second-half lead, and then we did what we always do with the lead, is we stop <sighs> we stop doing anything until it becomes a game again. And it, we needed, in the end, well, it wasn't in the end that Washington missed their kick. Washington early on missed their kick, and I, 
if they had made that kick, maybe they don't go for it on fourth down later and then score a touchdown. So maybe it didn't impact the game that much. But they did miss a 40-yarder. And then it took a 59-yarder, which is not a gimme, no matter who's kicking. But it took a 59-yarder at the end of regulation to win. And it only took – this is my most frustrating part of the whole game. It's not even the 21-point blown lead that we super blew <laughs> and let them literally tie the game. Like we blew a 21-point second-half lead and let them tie the game. And that's not even the most frustrating part of the game for me. I have not been in part of it's my apathy. We've talked about it on this podcast a bit before is my apathy with the lions that it, it's just where I'm at right now. It's very sad to be here, but it's reality and I can't change that. Um, the, the thing that enraged me more than anything has in a long time is I we're driving for the win at the end of regulation. And it's something that, Stafford and the Lions have done a lot for us. They always give, not always, but a lot of times they've given us exciting end of ball games, and so many times Stafford's came true. Outside of the fact that the stakes were nothing, it would have been one of the highlights of Stafford's career. He doesn't have that walk-off bomb. He just hasn't had it. And he He's drops... It against him. <laughs> he drops... <laughs> This beautiful, arcing, perfect deep ball for what would have been about a 60-yard <laughs> touchdown to just win the game, right? You're dropping. Like, they know they're, the defense is set up to defend deep, and you're, you, you need to dink and dunk and get in a position. But we find them over the top, and Stafford drops this gorgeous deep ball for what would be a 60-yard ish i don't remember the exact yard line we're at but around 60 yard walk-off touchdown in quinta cephas and god knows i have shit on him since we picked him because it was a stupid pick he loses the ball in the lights he just starts slowing down for the ball to drop a yard and a half in front of him why I'm only so the, glad only that I, the I didn't watch the second half. Only the, dude, I was, I'm sitting here, and I'm angry not because it could have cost us a game, not because I haven't seen this a thousand times. I am angry because the only you're thing, the, Lions. the only thing I'm holding on to watching the Lions still is to see these moments from Stafford. That's all I care about anymore is I get to watch a truly great Hall of Fame caliber quarterback every week, no matter how bad the rest of the team is, and they take... Their incompetence takes away just a superb highlight for no fucking reason. Something they would have played all week on SportsCenter. It's so upsetting, dude, that the one thing I watch this team for, and he delivers, and this team is so fucking bad, they can't even give that to me. They have to take that from me. I don't want to watch this game anymore. You're not going to see Stafford shine because he's on the Lions. I That's don't. What happens? He put. I, I said it like, literally. And just prepare I, yourself. He's not going to get in the Hall of Fame because he's on the Lions. It took a flawless game from Matthew Stafford for us to win, kick a 59 yard field goal at the end of regulation. I hate this team. I hate this team. It took a flawless game from Stafford. In a 59-yard field goal to beat the goddamn trash-ass Washington Redskins at home. That's because we're the trash Detroit Lions. Hey, but, Paul, they won the game, which is something neither one of our college teams can say. That is worse! <laughs> it's 
God. Bro. They're about to go on Help the, me. They're about to go on the Thanksgiving 500. It's, I'm so I'm just so <laughs> upset, man. I and I I apologize for derailing the beginning of picks. I do. But I am not happy. I'm not a happy person when it comes to the NFL. I haven't been for a long time, and I don't even have hope anymore. Like before, there were reasons for hope. At this point, I've lost hope, and that's a sad thing. Like we talk about sports, like at least you always have hope. I don't have hope. The rest of our Detroit teams, I have reason for hope. This team makes me want to quit the sport. If it wasn't for fantasy, honestly, and it's sad, but you like and Barry Sanders, I don't and know Calvin what Johnson. I what would I do. Oh, thank uh, you. Hey, Kellen out here Joey saying, I wanted to play with Aaron Rodgers. Like, come on, bro. It's so sad. To say that. It's so It's disgusting. This team is disgusting. We're going to do the picks. Um, And we're not going to start with Detroit because my heart well, can't take it. No, we're going to start with our records. Where are we at? Oh, yeah. We should do that. I'm sorry. Uh, Matt wants to know because Matt knows he had a good week last week, at least relative to the rest of us. Um, We had a, a – <laughs> oh, my God. We do have to start with the Lions. I'm so mad. We had a push last week. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was so upset. Because of everything I just said, the Lions did not cover the spread. They merely tied the spread. So that game gets pushed off the slate. It's not being counted. Just like anything the Lions do is not counted. Um... Matt went six and three last week. So did Ryan. They led the. Oh They, shit. they okay. led the week. There you go, Ryan. I didn't know that. Very good. Hey, welcome back. Um, it was very good. That's very right. good. And allow me to reintroduce Matt, myself. Matt took Lame first hope. place with that. It a night cool forty four and thirty five. Very very good. Um, we were all on fire through college last week. I want to give kudos to us. The four of us on this podcast went four and one through college games, and the game that we missed. Well, I'm sorry, the game that most of us missed. Ryan did not. Ryan missed a different game. Well, Ryan – actually, Ryan should have <laughs> went 5-0. and I got to give Ryan props. Ryan picked Michigan State out of – Oh, man. So, I picked Michigan State because I thought they weren't going to do it. So, obviously, they're going to do it if I don't think so. He went against what Play he thought because he, he could not <laughs> – he just – he couldn't be right on them. So, I'm, he just – I'm all in. I don't know how many weeks we've recorded the picks. I'm all in Michigan State. Well, they've only played <laughs> four games. So – all right, well, zero and four in Michigan State. You're zero and four, both ways. Zero and four for Michigan State, which is the team I watched the most. So, you know, how could that happen? Well, you had it last week, though. You just went against your knowledge, and that hurts you. So, you should have been five and zero. But we all went four and one. Uh, even Don went three and two. So, it must have been an easy week in college picks. The one. That... Oh, we didn't do this yet. Don's birthday was yesterday. Happy oh birthday. yes, hey, happy birthday, birthday Don. Don. Don actually. He has the distinction, um, and I don't know if it's official because I don't think they had birth certificates back then, um, but he is the oldest living person in the United States and probably the world. Um, his bicentennial <laughs> was before I was true. born. Uh, it is true. It's not true. I mean, it's not verifiable because they really didn't have birth certificates. He was born a long time ago, but um, Don is very old, but we love him very much. Um, does anyone know like what Don's fake age is? What he said 43, he didn't he say? All right, so he said he turned 43. Yeah, yeah, that's his fake age. That's what he put if on If you Facebook. add around 200 years Matt. to that, you'll get Don's real age. Matt, this is why he's so your wide. boy Zeke going to Denver. All right. Well, it's still early in the draft. It's not bad. So, uh, and even Don went 3-2 and two <laughs> in college last week. Um, me and AJ, as good as we did in college, 
were able to go 0 and 4, not counting the Lions game Whoa. in the NFL. <laughs> I went 0 and 4 in the NFL. Not counting the Lions. I don't think you did that right. Um, I did it right. I'm looking at it. I did it right. You didn't Four take my right picks, and I obviously picked the other teams. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> said, I was, I uh, so we, we ended up 4-5 and five on the week. Don went also went 0-4 in the NFL. Jesus. To finish 3-6 and six on the week. Even Matt and Ryan only went 2-2. Two and two. Just a bad NFL week, good college week. Matt is in first place with a two-game lead over myself in second place. Ryan has worked himself up from last place to third. Yeah, you got Two games right. back from me. Like, he is just – he's over 500 now. First time, long time. Maybe first time I, in the year. I told you, baby. I Two weeks ago, there's over 100 oh, games man. left. We he's coming. coming. He's coming in hot. Uh, Don is uh, one game behind him. And AJ, AJ, you uh, – we need to Don't make some head this week, all right? We gotta, we gotta make some headway this week. So that means are, I actually have to pay attention to what you. You guys are say. only five games under five hundred, though. How far am I back from the leader? That's what I care about. Seven games. Uh, Seven. No, that's, leader, so five that's, from I'm sorry, actually that's closer not, than Tiger Woods was at the sorry, That's true. I, I just watched his no, three no, shots into the water. I'm sorry. Twelve. Fourteen games. <laughs> Man, Fourteen. A ten, bro. Fourteen games <laughs> back. Has Tiger from the ever got a ten on a hole before? He wasn't right after Saturday. He played so much golf in so little no, time, but he it, was stiff. That was, that was, that was AJ, AJ, I misspoke. You're 14 games back from the leader. That's crap. You miscounted again. After after a solid first two rounds, too. It's yeah. uh, five back after the first two. Yeah, but those, yeah, but those I mean, he played Man. 25 holes on Friday. That, he did, that yeah. killed him. It's a bit much for his aging back. Just yeah. like these picks have been a bit much for AJ's aging mind. What? That wasn't even that wasn't even close to good. Oh, well, just like your you should, uh, you, you're right. Now see that was better. <laughs> At least you're learning. Alright, let's do you guys want to make some picks now? We're gonna we're gonna make picks this Constant week. Improvement. We should make some picks. Oh, uh, it's been a long introduction. Is this the Lions' fault though? The Lions, as always, derailed everything. No, it always yeah. takes you forever to introduce anything, so it's nothing out of the norm normal. Alright. We're going to college. <laughs> And uh, right, it takes him longer to introduce picks than it does for Adam Silver to, right? <laughs> to announce the picks. Like yeah. every time he introduces a game, it's like, okay, ten minutes later, now we can make our picks. Well, well, no joke, half my or when he gives his analysis on the game and why he's picking, and it's like, just pick a team. No, like half my editing is deleting where Paul repeats himself, <laughs> and the other half is closing the gap in between when he says his sentences. What is this? I ain't ever heard him talk what that slow. What is this? Oh, God, it's so slow. What? Is, this is your leg. Okay. All right, all right, we're, we're doing picks. We're doing picks. We're starting You're in the Big Ten. We got a really good game to kick it off. Uh, well, not according to Vegas. Uh, Ninth-ranked Indiana, maybe a bit too high, maybe not. They've looked okay. Uh, they traveled to take on third-ranked Ohio State, who probably should be ranked even higher. They're 20 and a half point favorites at home, though, over a pretty solid Indiana team that has not lost. I do think Indiana's solid, but I think this is the first game Ohio State, like, for real, for real locks in. Even more so than Penn State, because I think they're looking at the third ranking too, Paul, like you just said. And they're feeling a little bit disrespected by it. And I think they make a statement over a top 10 team. And I think they have the talent to do it. I expect them to beat the, blow the doors off Indiana. 
Uh, I think a 15-point win is still a statement over a top-10 team, which is right where I think Ohio State is with this one. So I'm going to roll with the Hoosiers to stay inside that 20-and-a-half. <laughs> Just like Matt said, I think a 15-point win is a statement. I think a 20-point win is an even bigger statement, but still keeps me within that spread, so I'm going with the Hoosiers. This is a tough one for me. Uh, Don's also on the Hoosiers, which, pending my pick, could make Ryan the lone dissenter on Ohio State. Uh Vegas is super disrespecting the hell out of Indiana with the spread. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're not right. Um, Indiana should have lost to Penn State, and it shouldn't have been that close, to be honest. They got beat on the field. They just didn't get beat on the scoreboard. And I know that people hate that, and they're like, oh, the scoreboard's the only thing that matters. But uh, I prefer context in what actually happens to matter. Um, Penn State is not a good football team. They're terrible. And Indiana has played really well. And Tim Allen has that team playing really solid, but they also haven't beaten anybody yet. And I agree with Ryan that Ohio State's going to look out to come out and put a smackdown on a top 10 team, right? But at the end of the day, they're kind of still Indiana. And they didn't come out and put the smackdown on Rutgers. They did it first, then let them kind of do their thing and didn't even cover against Rutgers. Uh, They barely covered against Penn State, who at the time was much higher ranked and bigger game. I don't. This is still Indiana to Ohio State. And they're still, to me, just in let's get our job done and go home and not get any injuries. It's so hard to me because Indiana or Ohio State can easily win this game by 40. But this is Indiana's playing for everything. Like this is, they haven't been here as a program in so long and they have some talent and they play well. Uh, I got, I'm going to pick Indiana. Honestly, the half point matters. Half point matters in this to me. I'm going to pick Indiana. Uh, we go to, <laughs> we have, this is so perfect this week who Michigan and Michigan State play. We deserve this. We really do. As terrible as we are. Michigan State game is first. Nice noon traditional kickoff. You are... (laughs) What? It's hilarious because the bad teams kick off at noon. Which is why it's funny. All right. Well, your noon kickoff. we're going to have noon kickoffs the rest of the year. Your noon kickoff. It's ironic because Indiana and Ohio State's at noon as well. But your noon kickoff is... (laughs) It's in Annapolis. You're six point. A big ten plus. Six point dogs to Maryland, which at the beginning of the Annapolis. Season, that's the. Oh, I'm sorry. Naval Academy. Jesus, you're right. I know I am. Come on, test dude. What is wrong with you? Know? <laughs> I'm so sorry. When you said that, I was like, they're playing the Naval Academy. College Park. Yes. I'm sorry. I apologize. I listen, I was out there recently, it, what, what and I, I went to both, and I got a little confused. Um, yes, College Park. Uh, Six-point dogs against Maryland. This is pathetic. It's, it's pathetic. I can't believe I'm about to do what I'm about to do. Give me some pain thorn juice. Give me some Maryland hasn't played because they all have COVID. Maybe they're a little bit more rusty. Give me Michigan State to at least cover and then break my heart and lose by a field goal. <laughs> No, there's no I way. Talia Tungavaloa is going to throw for like five touchdowns against us. That is way more points than we are going to score against Maryland. No. Give me give me the Terrapins in this one. I don't think we keep it close. Who's starting for the Spartans at quarterback? Does it matter? Probably Payton Thorne. Does it Thorn. matter? Let's go. Get that no, juice. it doesn't matter. But, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly what Matt said. Give me Maryland. Must be on five. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, two games in a row. Ryan is the lone dissenter. 
This one, I don't think it's as easy as you guys have made it sound because I just, still don't trust Maryland for anything. But listen, I trust you trust more us? than I trust Michigan State. You're giving me anybody single digits against Michigan State, and I'm taking the anybody. Like that's just the rule right now. That is the rule right now. Pretty much me single digits against Michigan State. I'm taking Eastern the Michigan. Teams. We'll take you. Okay, hold on. Power five teams only. Power five. <laughs> we're gonna limit this to power five teams. Although Cincinnati, I'd take by 40. Uh, no, Michigan State is just a very bad football team until they prove otherwise, which I don't think that's going to happen this year. So moving on. Definitely not this uh, year. <laughs> the Big Ten, this is pretty much an entirely Big Ten slate, and at least two of the games should be really good. 10th-ranked uh, Wisconsin, who I believe is very, very good, despite only playing two games. Um, they travel to, the to some people, surprise of the season, 19th-ranked undefeated. Northwestern, who has also looked very good. Wisconsin, a pretty large seven and a half point road favorite over an undefeated team that's looked a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I think Northwestern can fight and still lose by 10. Wisconsin put a 50 burger on Michigan last week. Not that that's super impressive. It's not. Um, but you, but you like them coming back out from you know having two games canceled and looking that sharp. So give me the Badgers in this one to uh, make their make their own little playoff push. Yeah, I think this is going to be close to the spread. But I think Wisconsin's going to do enough to be just on top of it. Uh Northwestern has definitely impressed this year. But uh I think uh I think Wisconsin's about to show the difference between a contender and a pretender. So give me the Badgers. You say seven and a half, right? Yeah. That's a cute little half point there. It makes a difference. Yes, it is. And I'm going to dissent here and go with Northwestern to lose by a touchdown. I was a year early on Northwestern. And it did, It was really ugly last year. Uh, but they're showing all the reasons that I believed in them this year. And I think they're a pretty darn solid football team. The problem is I think Wisconsin's been on the cusp for so long. I think this is the year they've broken through. I think this is the best Wisconsin team I've seen. And I, I honestly don't know that I've seen a Wisconsin team this good. Uh, part of it is because they have a difference maker at quarterback, not just another guy. They have the What's breaking through the to most you? Is like, are they going to beat Ohio State and win the big time? Beat them, not necessarily. I think Ohio State is the best team in college football. Uh, maybe Clemson's better than them. It's real close between the two of them. So if so, if if they lose to Ohio State in the title game and then they win, well, I guess that'd be the same. So game. Notre uh, Dame. Do you think they make the playoff? Beating a Trevor Lawrence list Clemson makes that very precarious. Yeah, but Notre, Notre Dame's Dame, going to have to play yeah, Clemson again. Uh, if Notre uh, Dame I just, gets I just wanted to know Clemson, what. Um, so breaking through. To I just me, want to know what breakthrough so was. So all of these years. Wisconsin has, for the most part, beat up the West, right? And they've made the title game, but haven't really had a shot. And they've been punked every time against Ohio State. Like, when the hell have they been even close against Ohio State? The one year, yeah, one year, the one year 15, they didn't have to. Yeah, just disgusting. The one year they didn't have to play Ohio State, they still lost to Penn State. Like, and that was lucky that they didn't have to play Ohio State or Michigan, who would have beat them. So, they haven't taken the step to actual, like, close to contender status. To me, this is the year that they give Ohio State a game in that final. Gotcha. That they they're not going to beat Ohio State because Ohio State's no, not just losing thirty four nothing. They're at another level, but Wisconsin is in that playoff conversation to me this year. In with help, 
can make the playoff, and I I would pick them to make the playoff had Trevor Lawrence not missed the game. But even if Clemson waxes them in the final and Wisconsin loses a narrow one to Ohio State, who knows what happens, man. So uh, that's where I think that's breaking through. I I think they're a step above where they've been. I don't think they're better than Ohio State, but I think they're breaking through to the next level. But there's – I mean, I think all of us would agree there's multiple levels between Wisconsin and Ohio State previously. So that, that's what I mean by that. Um, that being said, yeah, I'm on Wisconsin. AJ is a lone dissenter here. I know we kind of derailed the pick a little bit. Um, I think Wisconsin starts to show why. Who's this we, motherfucker? That next step. Nah, it was a good discussion. Uh, finally, a game outside of the Big Ten. 7.30, where I've been informed that real teams play, although our next pick after this will determine that to be a lie. Uh, we, (laughs) (laughs) of the official sources say, uh, was this claims dispute. Yeah. Yes, exactly that. Uh, but this one, we got 14th ranked Oklahoma state going down the road to Norman 18. Well, actually, is this a neutral site game? I don't know. I honestly don't don't know. I I think this is played in Norman. I think this one actually is played on college campus. No, uh, yeah, Bedlam actually goes back and forth. Yes, okay, I thought so. Uh, 18th-ranked Oklahoma. This spread blows my tits off, honestly. Oklahoma is seven-point favorites in this. Yeah, um, with the game, I'm assuming Oklahoma's not having um, too many fans there, and I do think Oklahoma State's a better team. Every time I've watched Oklahoma, I think they've lost, so I'm not <laughs> really sure how they're still ranked. Uh, so give me, give me uh, Oklahoma State in this one. No, this, Shout out to Barry Sanders. There's been a few times where the Cowboys have been the quote-unquote better team going in to face Oklahoma in the Bedlam series, and they never win the game. So I'm going with Oklahoma. Their offense, they look like they found the last few weeks, dropping 62 points two weeks in a row, uh, granted, against Kansas, who sucks, and Texas Tech, who's not great. Uh, but the Cowboys, they have they have not impressed me this year, neither of the Sooners. But in this series – I'm going with the bigger dog in this one, and I think that's Oklahoma. I think they win this one by double digits. Yeah, not having watched either of these teams this year and it being a rivalry game, I think the idea of the better team goes out the window, especially when you're not talking about the different type tiers like we would talk like a Michigan-Ohio State uh, rivalry game. Why Why are you doing this? Well, I'm to make my point. To make me I mean, upset. You, yeah, but you talk for five minutes and then tell what team you're going to pick. I've said like 30 words, so just – Relax. Um, so I think it's going to come down to coaching, and I think Lincoln Riley is a better coach than Mike Gundy is. So I'm going to actually go with Oklahoma to cover the spread at home. I don't know. Oklahoma's played a lot better as of late, but Spencer Adler still sucks. Yeah, Oklahoma I don't like him. still sucks. Uh, spreads are kind of meaningless in the Big 12 because they score so many goddamn points. Like, a 20-point game feels like a close game sometimes. But I, there's just no way that I'm picking Oklahoma on the spot to win by more than a touchdown. Not in any universe. And uh, Don agrees with me. So that'll make a nice, diverse 3-2. to two. Finally, we don't have – we got some actually actual opposing opinions in here. Uh, 7.30, where the Pretenders play, apparently. Um, although I think on BTN – where this game deserves to be. Um, don't quote me on that, but I believe that is accurate. Michigan is 10.5-point favorites, which has got to be the only time they've been sub-30-point favorites over Rutgers in I don't know how long. Does Michigan – I didn't even know if it could be called getting on the right track because it's fucking Rutgers. Did they get on the right track this week and pound an inferior team? 
No, this is a uh, straight hate, and because they beat us, I want them to beat you too. So give me Rutgers with the outright win. Not even Joe Milton's gonna turn over the ball seven times, okay? Uh, no, uh, this is this is a tale as old as time, and even with you guys having this rocky ass year, I think this tale still rings true. Michigan covers. So I I know you talk about Rutgers being an inferior team, and I don't think you can make that claim this year. Um, so AJ, AJ mm. I have a question. What? What takes you from docile, respectable human to when we get on podcasts? It's Michigan football, man. I mean, like, what is wrong? Why do you hurt me with every word <laughs> in every breath? Because I mean, I I legitimately think they could end up one and four after this week, and I wouldn't be surprised by it. Um, break something. But at the same time, I think Michigan wins, but <laughs> Rutgers covers. So two and three, and let's talk about how we're on the right track. Uh, so, silver linings. I am very. I will be shocked. Shocked is a little strong, but I will be surprised if Cade McNamara is not starting this game. I truly hope and believe we've seen the end of the very short-lived Joe Milton era in Michigan. Uh, for many reasons I've talked about many times before, both here and other places. Um, not good at football is how I would define Joe Milton. And he has not been our only problem this year, not even a little bit. We've been terrible all across the board, but he's certainly been a problem, and I think that we will improve that. That being said, Michigan should not be double-digit favorites over Presbyterian State. We have shown to be a very, very bad football team this year. And until we show that we are anything but a complete dumpster fire for this season only, I do have hope for the future, unlike some people. Uh, I am not going to pick us as double-digit favorites against anybody. I don't know if I'm going to pick us as favorites against everybody. Anybody. Uh, absolutely going to pick Rutgers on this one. And Rutgers, by the way, not Rutgers of old. We've talked about this. They covered against Ohio State. I mean, come on, dude. Like, we're going to blow them out. Don, Don and Matt only people on Michigan and Matt is because he's stuck in the past and uh, Don is Michigan Don for a reason. And now that we've got the garbage out of the way, we can pick some hopefully much better football games. Uh, we get to go out West first and the NFC West is kind of thrilling this year. Um, very good at football, you might say. And, I know Ryan is just gleeful about this. Russell Wilson and Seattle have struggled lately. Like a lot. But they find themselves three-point favorites over Ryan's favorite human on the planet, Kyler Murray, at home. Mm -hmm. And I think I know where Ryan's going with this. Ryan, why don't you tell us where you're going with this? Yeah, I'm going to go with the, the same team that won last time. Russell Wilson cannot keep the ball at all. Very uncharacteristic for him. But he uh, he didn't play well against Arizona last time that they played. And uh, Kyler's been on a roll. I think they I think they keep up that hot streak that they had going on with the Hail Mary. So give me Arizona in this game to claim first place. I concur. Uh, as much as I want to pick the Seahawks, they are not impressive right now. And I think Arizona's playing a little bit better football, so I'll go with the Cardinals. 
DeAndre Hopkins is a uh, proud member of Cigar Mafia, and he's going to have a big <laughs> night, so I'll go with Arizona as well. No, actually, I take that back. Oh, well, he's going to have a big night, but Seattle's going to cover. There you go. We haven't, we haven't picked AJ's fantasy team yet. I'm sorry, Matt. You said Arizona. Oh, it's set, Ryan. Yeah. You don't have that choice and anymore. you are picking <laughs> there you Seattle, go. AJ. Yes. Okay. All right. It's very clear. Uh, I got some nice mix-up on this one, too. Uh, but it will be three in a row as AJ, Don, and myself all pick Seattle. Uh, as Ryan said, it's uncharacteristic, the struggles that Russ has had. And the actual good midget quarterback is going to show just why they've been uncharacteristic this week as he writes the bus, gets things turned around. Arizona, not a good football team. I mean, did you watch them play the Lions? Are we serious right now? Kyler Murray, not a good quarterback. Did you watch him play the Lions? Are you serious right now? Seattle is going to write the ship here. They have a lot of issues. Russ Wilson's not going to be one of them. Seattle by 20. Speaking of Detroit, Detroit has to play... Carolina Panthers, and this is going to be an even bigger shit show than normal Detroit games because Carolina is without Christian McCaffrey. Detroit's only asset has a torn ligament on his throwing hand. On his thumb. (laughs) If you didn't know and have never grabbed a football, grip is important for throwing a football. Very, very important, actually, especially around the thumb area. And, um... Throwing football, pretty important to being quarterback. Carolina, one and a half point favorite, given the above. Yeah, give me um, Carolina this week. I, honestly, pretty pretty comfortably. Uh, I have Mike Davis on my fantasy team as well, and he has been shit. But I don't think he's going to be shit against the Lions. Stafford has an injury. Maybe didn't bother him last week. But I think Carolina is just a better overall team than we are, as sad as that is to say. Uh, it is a very honest thing to say, though. Even without the possibility of Teddy Bridgewater, and we got <clears throat> XFL quarterback star P.J. Walker in for the Carolina Panthers, I still like the Panthers' chances more than I like the Lions. So give me Carolina. I actually like the Lions to ruin our lives and win on Sunday. <laughs> oh, man. I, it's it's so so eloquent. Inaccurate. Just and again, three in a row. AJ Don and me. Uh Stafford's superhuman. I mean, just ridiculous. So he'll find a way to make it work. Fucking rip his hand off and still throw touchdowns with his left hand. Doesn't even matter. And uh Carolina's bad football team. And they don't have one of the best players in the world. Uh Teddy Bridgewater, okay, nothing special. Uh, this is the kind of game that Detroit wins. And then they'll have a couple wins in a row in, like, I don't know, three out of four or some wild shit. Hang on, this game's not at Detroit. They don't win these games. And people are getting, ah, they do. Stop it. Carolina's no, that's not, on the road. They Carolina's don't win these not games. a good football team. They don't have C-Mac. Uh, we've seen some nice some nice play out of DeAndre Swift last week. I expect that to continue as they lean on him a little Man, bit this that's week. that's the one, one saving grace. As they season. lean on him a little bit this week. And this y'all just, set him on fire in his first game. This is the stu- for, for deserved fire. I didn't say he was never going to be a good football player I, his whole life. I said he cost us the game because he's a fucking I didn't bum. set him on fire. I love Literal him. I had him on bum. fantasy. I didn't want to. Drop a game-winning touchdown. But hey, thank God, I guess, because we'd be drafting in the 20s if he didn't. So thank you for doing that. Um, they find a way to win this game and make us miserable, as AJ said. 
we got a veteran quarterback who might be washed matchup. Um, well, Philip Rivers. I can't think we kind of have that that's answer. Not that's, that's not fair. <laughs> I tried telling fair. you all that at the beginning of the season, but nobody fair, wanted man. to listen to me. It is fair. I, no, Rodgers is not He's washed. been washed for three years, and he's having his best year in a while, and he's still washed. Um, Green Bay, two Indy, two old quarterbacks trying to save relevance. Their teams are 6-3. and three. Sometimes they look great. Sometimes they look terrible. Indy's got the defense. Green Bay has Aaron Jones. Uh, one and a half point favorite at home, Indianapolis is. Well, Green Bay also has Devontae Adams. And this is going to be the pick that I know just absolutely backfires on me because I feel as confident in this pick as I did with Carolina taking out Detroit. I think Green Bay covers the one and a half that they're actually given easily, which probably means the Colts win, but that's not how I'm going to pick it. Give me the Packers. I'm with you on this one, Ryan. I think uh, the Packers are the better football team. And I'm surprised the Colts are actually favored in this one. I think it all has to do with the fact that they won that game last week against Tennessee. I think they lose that game. You see Packers as a two-point favorite right now. But it is what it is, and I will take advantage of it. I think the Packers win outright. Yeah, I'm going to jump on that train, too. I think the Packers win outright. I know Indianapolis has a pretty good defense, but you got one of the top receivers and one of the still better quarterbacks in the league. I think they get the job done. So it's been cool. This week we've had a lot of dissent for once. It's been very nice. Uh, last week I think we picked like four games all the same or something. Split them maybe. This is our first unanimous pick this week. And I, I applaud that. Uh, I don't know why Indianapolis is favored in this game. Um, their defense is awesome. But they still haven't figured out how to use Jonathan Taylor, which is pathetic. <laughs> and their quarterback can't throw the football anymore because he's 95 years old. And uh, I think he can spit farther than he can throw the quarterback football right now. Uh, I got I got to pick Green Bay. And I do think Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones have big games, despite Aaron Rodgers also being washed. So outright, and that's a sweep. Kansas City is heated. I don't know if you guys paid any attention, but they are pissed. Not only did they lose at home to the Raiders when they faced earlier in the year, but the Raiders bus took a little victory lap around Arrowhead, which I think is hella awesome. Beat your souped-up rival on the road, big game, and then you just jerk around their stadium because you can. Because you won. That's what you get to do. But Andy Reid is pissed about it. Kansas City's pissed about it. And they certainly don't want to be 0-2 in division to Las Vegas. And Vegas doesn't think they're going to because they're seven and a half point road favorites. Yeah, I mean, you took the, all the words out of my mouth there. I think Kansas City is pissed, and I think a pissed Kansas City beats anybody by 14 points. I think the Raiders showed something last time, and I think they have a game plan that can keep this game close. Uh, I think the Chiefs win the game, but I don't think they cover the seven-plus points, so I will go with the Raiders. I just don't know if the Raiders have enough to do it twice in the same season, right? Um, well, they don't have as, to beat them twice. Well, yeah, but even keeping it close, right? Like, I, I think the Chiefs are too good. And for all the reasons that were stated above, I would take them. Uh, Don agrees with you. Ryan, AJ, and Don, all in the Chiefs. Um. I guess, yeah, pissed off Chiefs going to want to win this game by 20. 
I don't know if they match up well enough with Vegas to do so. Um, I think Vegas does have a little something, and they want this game just as bad as Kansas City does, no matter how pissed off Kansas City is. I think Kansas City's going to win the game, probably. But at home, Vegas is at home, and they're getting seven and a half. I can't in good conscience pick Kansas City. They already beat them this year. So absolutely Las Vegas for me. Not confident, but got to make that pick. We have a fascinating Monday night football game this week, which is awesome because I don't think I've been able to say that very much the last three years. I mean, primetime games have just not been great. But we got the Rams, who have seemed to found a little something. Don't say Sean McVay can't coach football, even without Todd Gurley. <laughs> but Tampa Bay, despite their slide the last few weeks, is a four-point favorite at home on Monday night. I, I don't like that number four. I have a sneaky suspicion the Rams might win this game, and I think at the the very least, they'll lose by a field goal. So give me Sean McVay, Jared Goff, Robert Woods, Aaron Donald, and all those rest of the players on the Rams that I can't name. Uh, yeah, the Tampa Bay front seven is uh, – sorry, uh, front, front seven. Their offensive line, not great. And you got Aaron Donald across the way. And I think Aaron Donald is going to be very hungry in this game. And he's going to make life a little bit miserable for Tom Brady. Enough to keep the Rams in this game. Uh, I don't think Tampa Bay covers this spread. I will roll with the Rams in this one. Considering the fact I traded back for Ronald Jones last week, I'm going to stick with the hot hand and go with the Bucks to cover. Don says you wrong. Don's all on the Rams. Um, the Rams lost to Miami two weeks ago. The Rams beat a struggling Seattle team, and they're six and three. Tampa Bay has been kind of bad lately. Got waxed by the Saints in one of the most embarrassing games you've seen a Tom Brady-led team have, uh, reminiscent of playing in Arrowhead, the year that they coincidentally won the Super Bowl after struggling against the Giants. And then they pulled away late against the Panthers. So not not like the greatest of weeks for them. But their defense is what's really struggled lately after being absurd the first seven-ish weeks of the season. I think this is a game their defense dominates. I think they give them some short fields. I think Ronald Jones plays well. I think Gronk catches a touchdown. I think three other people catch touchdowns. I think this is a getting back to the good stuff that we saw against the Packers version of Tampa Bay. And I think they win this game by a lot because they need to win this game by a lot for themselves. And that concludes our picks. Except. And that. What, what do you mean except? What except? Except. The Pistons. Oh, no, they're not picking anytime soon. Why do we make that trade so early? Never mind. Carry picking on. at 38. Carry on. So okay. nine I thought it was 28. <laughs> I thought it was 28 we traded so after for. After they take we traded for 38. Oh, no. Never mind. Just ignore me. Carry on. And that concludes the show. Ryan, do the thing. <laughs> all right. So make sure that you guys are following us on all the podcast platforms that we have, which is only just two, so it's real easy. You got Podbean and you got iTunes, and then follow us on the social medias. It is the same social medias that you use, Facebook, Twitter, all of that good stuff, YouTube. I'm sure you're on there all the time. 
you can find us there. Uh, just at Sports Carnage, and then obviously make sure that you guys are on Detroit Sports Nation so you can hear everything that we talked about, Lions, Tigers, Pistons, even throwing a little bit of Red Wings talk in there. Uh, well, just really some passing mentions. But Michigan, Michigan State football, you guys can see all of that, all the news on Detroit Sports Nation, so follow them as well. And uh, like, Sham, like, comment, share, subscribe, review, all of that good stuff. For Ryan Griffin, Paul Roshan, and A.J. Riley, I'm Matt Basson. We are Sports Carnage. Thank you for spending a couple hours with us this week. We'll be back with you all next week. Troy Weaver, Executive of the Year.